We wrote an article that went viral and sparked a natural hair revolution. We are Elise and Aisha, moms to small humans, digital content creators, licensed hairstylists, brand agnostic, curl educators, and generally your snarky girlfriends with no filter. We're two women from the south side of Chicago taking the stupid out of natural hair. Welcome to episode two of Curls Disrupted. We want to know, where are your people? I mean, what does diversity mean in the curl world? I mean, when I look on my social media feed, mm. and I use that as a litmus for diversity, it just means change the colors. Like, we're going to have a light girl, a brown girl, then we're going to have a real, we got to find a really dark girl, and then that's it. Like, the diversity doesn't necessarily mean the diversity in the actual hair, just like diversity in just the medium, the person that they actually put the out. Skin that's me. Tone. That's me, because I'm a consumer. Yeah, you forget, I'm a, I'm a consumer first. You are. So, when I say diversity, I want to see a diversity of skin tones, I want to see a diversity of curl patterns. Of actual textures, I want to see a diversity of lengths, mm. of color, like and of a hair, hair color. Hair color, okay. And styling. Ooh, yeah. Well, because right now, all I get is a lot of dilapidated twist outs. <laughs> That's all I'm seeing. I'm seeing. And I'm not talking about from the professionals, because y'all out there killing the game. I see y'all. I be liking y'all pictures. I'm talking about the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> why I say that is I've been okay so let's go back to how long I've been in this curl world oh tell us so my first well I started out doing natural hair because I was a natural in Chicago that had a cosmetology license but I was working as an arts administrator and I was not too far out of college I had a little bit of coins and I wanted to have somebody else do my hair I had been rich now just a little bit. <laughs> you got I had been natural at that point off and on for maybe six or seven years. And I'm like, I can finally afford to pay somebody to do my hair. Could not find anybody to do my loose natural hair. I could find someone to straighten it, to silk press it. Because that was when silk presses were just becoming really popular. Or I could find somebody to lock it or coil it. Oh, don't forget braids. I wasn't even looking at that because but I am too tender headed. They were available. They though. were available. <laughs> I'm too tender headed for that foolishness. Um, and I could not find someone. And this was 2008 during the recession. And my job was going through a major layoff, bad grant cycle, whatever you want to call it in the nonprofit world. And I was like, I have a license. I can't find anybody to do the services I'm looking for. Maybe this is what I do. So I started doing natural hair. I was known in the city of Chicago for twisted updos and beautiful banging twist outs that lasted. But I'm like, there has to be something simpler. And I would see this wash and go. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do this. It looks really cute, but I don't know how to do it. So I went to a impromptu consumer class held by Lorraine Massey, who is the creator of Diva Curl and the instigator of the actual Curly Girl method. And she did this amazing cutting demo and styling demo on this kind of medium curl model. Okay. And I told him, like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to take your class sometime soon. So six months later, I ended up at Diva Curl in New York. This is 2011. This is before social media really popped for business. And I took my first Diva class. So I came back to the South Side 
of Chicago. Southside. Beverly mm-hmm. neighborhood. <laughs> and I tried to apply what I used, what I learned in that session on the black girl sitting in my chair. Oh, there's a picture actually on social media that we have posted. Um, if you want to go back over to the <laughs> Cut It Kinky page, it's over there, right? I think it's on Cut It Kinky. Yeah, it is. It is. It's on the Cut It Kinky page um, of this very first um, diva inspired. 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 Loosely inspired. Loosely inspired. Because, I mean, let's be real, though. Like, how often do you go to a class and you literally take every single thing back from that class and then institute it or put it into, you know, in process in your actual, like, how often do you take every single thing and make it, like, work for you? I'm that person, though. So, I try- Ooh, are you the type A person that you don't like? Yep. Mm-hmm. I am. So, I took, because, actually, I was the only black person in my class. Okay. Even though we were actually taught by a black instructor, Vita was one of the teachers for the class. Vita still works there. She's awesome. Um, and she decided to style my hair because I just didn't believe her that this would work. And my hair was gorgeous. I hated the way it felt because of how much conditioner was left in. Uh, but it was cute. And I'm like, how do I replicate this on my clients? Because if y'all know Chicago, Chicago is a super crazy ridiculously segregated city. Let me say something about that, though, because it's self-segregating. I studied this in college. It's, self, it's a self-segregating city. There's a difference. I just wanted to put that in there. It's self-segregating, <laughs> but that, seg- that self-segregating actually goes back to redlining. It and it does. goes back to it how um, the Dan Ryan Expressway, which is 1994, how it was built. It was actually built ran right through a black neighborhood and black ended up on one side and Caucasian ended up on another side. So we could we could go on a history lesson yes, all day long, but y'all look I'm up sorry. We, we do that. the history <laughs> of Chicago. So Chicago is a very segregated place still today. Yeah. And so I was on the South side, even in a neighborhood that was fairly integrated, you still have black salons and you still have Caucasian salons and never the twain shall meet. Never. Unless you go downtown and there's like one black hairstylist in the Caucasian salon. So, I'm in there trying to use these techniques on my clients, and I'm like, what happened? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) What happened is for real. Okay, real. Okay, so (laughs) quick question about that, though. Seriously, like, have you seen that client, like, ever again? I have not. (laughs) I'm just wondering. The cut cut client, I have not. I did one style and one cut. The style came out absolutely terrible. I did see her again. Okay. But... I'm like, I can't incorporate this into my business and ruin my already good name. Because I already had a name established out here. I could not be putting out booty work. You was like, no, this like, is no. not happening to me. And you have to know that she is like, operates on a black excellence level. So this is probably killing her spirit. She probably thought about quitting. Did you think about quitting? Just I like did, quit? actually. I was like, no. Mm-mm. Let me see if I can go back to arts administration. <laughs> But what I did was I took the time to start researching products and researching ingredients and researching hair. I cracked open my Aveda cosmetology textbook. I cracked open my Milady's textbook and started from the beginning in reading and understanding the fundamentals of hair and realizing that I already knew this, but really gaining the knowledge that hair is hair, but, but, how we have to go about styling and seeing tightly curled hair is very, very different than how we go about working with looser, smoother, silkier curls. And this is not even an ethnicity thing, 
but this is a real life hands-on cosmetologist thing. No, I honestly think, and I've only been doing this, and you know, most people are like, she's new, how can you? But <laughs> I am very green to this, but I've when I came into it, I came into it like open, ready to receive all the information that those who came before me, those who actually knew, knew, knew this stuff, um, to understand what it is that people are missing um, from from like actually understanding this medium because this is a different medium of hair. And so you very can't, different medium. It's almost like raising children or usually the one the, the analogy I use is working with tight curls is a difference between working with sculpture and painting. So if y'all don't know, I actually have a bachelor's degree in art. So I look at um, looser curls, um, silkier hair more as a two-dimensional canvas. Okay. You can create dimension, you can create texture on that flat surface, but at the end of the day, it is going straight up and down, it's not living in space. This is for y'all watching the video. This is literally the only day, my day one, that my hair does not live in space. And Aisha's <laughs> hair, this is day one, and it automatically lives in space. Because so on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> on well, purpose. Your hair doesn't even lay flat. If, it if it really doesn't. I don't <laughs> even know what flat is. What is flat, right? <laughs> what is that? But what's interesting about what you're saying, right, is that you were not able to take this education that a lot of us in the curl community use as leverage for marketing purposes yes. and institute that in your very black salon. Yes, in my actual work life. And honestly, had I been a different person or didn't have the time freedom I had at that time to really go deep into self-educating, I would have just said, oh, that was a great training and kept on doing what I was doing before. But when I got that training, so many women were like, oh my God, you're black and you can do a diva cut? They were like, I'll work through whatever with you. So I actually, at the beginning, got this small group of women who were like, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna work on this together. We're gonna develop how this works on tighter textures, coarser hair, higher density, three-dimensional hair that lives in space. And that is where my practice as a hairstylist was grounded, is those initial women who took the chance on me because they saw someone who looked like them, who was trained in the trainings that they wanted to have and was doing the things they wanted to achieve with their hair because they were tired of twisting. They were tired of coiling. They were tired of having to have their hands in their hair every day or every other day or multiple times a week. They wanted hair that was like, okay, I cleansed, I conditioned, I styled, and I'm out this piece for the next seven <laughs> to 10 days. Um, so that bevy of knowledge is, is how I grew my um, curly cutting and curly styling career and what essentially spawned Cut It Kinky, our professional training program. So I have to say this, because people don't know this, right? When we started the 30 Day Hair Detox, okay, we literally, like, when something goes viral, I'm just gonna give y'all a little nugget real quick. If you happen to be like in the midst of a viral situation, you have really, they say you have seven days, I'm gonna really tell you have 36 hours to act on whatever just occurred so that you can get all the momentum off that because it takes an entire week for people to get through it. But if you're then coming behind what's going on, then there, there's more traffic and there, you're creating mm -hmm. a jam and there's just more information getting put out there and they're seeking 
seeing you now because they want to know more of whatever it is that you're saying. I just wanted to drop that nugget on y'all real quick. Yeah. But at least I'd already written this information before we even got together. <laughs> Can you tell these people that you already had this stuff like... Okay, so... Real talk. It, it, she wrote it, what, two, three years before? It was two, three years before that. So, like... Oh, my goodness. Y'all don't you understand. You really tell the story? So I this just, is what, when we say, where are your people? She's been trying to get to the professional for... Six years. Since 2013. So yeah. that was 2011 when it was like, okay, I'm a curl artist. I don't necessarily feel confident in calling myself a curl artist, but we are figuring this thing out because there is a demand for it. So by about April 2013, I'd figured it out pretty much. Had a great clientele that wanted a mix of services. I was doing curly cuts and curly styling. I was doing twists. I was doing a little silk pressing still. And I took the month of April 2013 off to write it all down and codify it and figure out how to offer it to both consumers and professionals. Because there was no reason that I was one of the only people who probably knew this information. And at that point, that's when influencers were becoming a thing. And no hairstylist was taking the time to learn the system, learn the ins and outs, and be an influencer. So yeah, I took the whole month off, wrote this whole curriculum, developed this whole plan, and was gonna put it into action. And then my marriage fell apart. Wow. My marriage fell apart. Um, I got separated in the course of like two days and got left and left with two salons and I had to close one, kept up one. It's a long story, but we'll save it for another, we'll save it for another day, probably a book. <laughs> uh, so that had to be shelved because what immediately had to happen was I had to figure out how to grow my business. So I had to find and my and fast. I had to find my people and figure out what services I could offer and specialize in that did not take my whole spirit that needed healing. And I decided what's being asked for most now is curly cutting, curly styling from black women with tighter textures and tighter curls who have probably never seen their curls before in life. So I was like, okay, I'm doing these cuts. I'm doing this styling, everything else gets off my menu. And instead of, which is the thing that all hairstylists seem to be super scared of, is losing my business and lowering my income, I quadrupled my income within a year. Wow. I, a whole year later, so this is August 2013 when everything like went to complete shit. Um, and August 2014, I decided to move to Atlanta. I remember this because we were <laughs> Facebook friends. And even though, you know what, I always, I don't, I told you this story before. I tried to book an appointment with Elise before, and I was like, I gotta wait a month? Like, Soulja Boy. Like, a month? A month. <laughs> no, but the business, the business grew because there was a demand from the she people. She did. And, and I was like, I cannot wait a month. But I did buy products from you. She did. She I did, did buy products. I was like, I cannot do, I'm gonna keep twisting my hair. <laughs> but she bought products for me to twist her hair with. So I decided to move to Atlanta because, again, I, could, I had quadrupled. So I quadrupled. That's not even a word. <laughs> Quadrupled my income. I was able to, out of because out of necessity, I had to buy a car because y'all know Atlanta is not a public transportation centric city. Uh, rent a house with a friend um, and restarted my entire life. But that was because I found a niche in the curl market that was not being served. And so that had become my mission to serve them. Move to Atlanta, folks were like, oh, you live in Atlanta now? You doing hair here, you doing hair here? And I'm like, She was. No. It was interesting. It was fascinating for my Anna, because I wasn't a client, but I knew her. 
to see her like she drop in and do hair and then live in Chicago for like she'd be in like five days and she would talk about her travels um you know packing her stuff in that little suitcase on Frontier like I'm watching this I remember all this stuff oh really because I thought this was fascinating I was fascinated like wow she just gets to live the life that she want to live huh she's just out here living just doing her thing but what I will say is that what was uh really interesting that even though we talked and in passing, um, as soon as I said I'm going to beauty school, she was on my page. It was like, <laughs> so we need more of you in my business. <laughs> more, of these, more of the bloggers, more of the influencers. She knew where her people were. Like she knew where her people were. She came and got me to uh-huh. be her people. <laughs> I am probably the last person that at least is trained just all willy nilly. Like I am the last. Am I the you're the last person. The last. She's not the only, but she's the last. She's yes um, on this level because I. I, you know, I'm the beta. <laughs> Aisha's the beta for everything. Yes. So all I, we say all of that to say is there is a market of tight curls. There is a market in the diversity. And when we say diversity, we want diversity to reflect us. We are, as we said in our intro, two women from the south side of Chicago. That represents a lot. That if you if you know anything about Chicago. And the South Side, and we're actually not that far. We grew away up from literally each other. within probably five miles, not even five, th- two to three miles. Two to three miles. Yeah, we grew up within two to three miles of each other. We are five years apart five years in age. age. Difference. <laughs> I'm older. Uh, <laughs> I'm the oldest. I act older. I'm the oldest. Um, but no, we essentially grew up in the same neighborhoods. Understand a lot of the same stuff that we saw. Um, growing up, experienced some of the same things because we both had a lot of hair, relaxed hair. Um, and I mean, that was not, I mean, it, was, it didn't stink, but it was just like, oh, like, oh, that's a cute weave. And it's like, like it's no, not weave. And but also, that grew my scalp. But seeing where it's like the people, understanding the culture of yes. where the people come from. Yes. And when we, like you said, when we say the culture. We're from the South Side, we both had hair when we were younger. Both. We both grew up putting bollies. And braid, getting our hair braided. Same five ponytails every, every, every. At 10 years old. At same five ponytails all the way from when I could, my mama did the ponytails all the way up until 13 when she, See, I, I got was lucky. No, ma'am. I was this lucky. The same I was only in fifth grade. Five ponytails. You had to wear those plaits. You get your hair shampooed on Friday. You wear the plaits to Sunday. You get your hair pressed in the kitchen. Your ear burned on Sunday. Like these wait, are wait. things. Wait, wait. My mother didn't press my hair before uh, putting it into the body. So. Oh, no, this is, no, this is when she moved on. She okay, was like stepping had, up her game. I had the shrunk up, like I had the, the super shrinkage. Yes. So these are some of when we say diversity, we say diversity of experiences, diversity of culture. There is a black hair culture that is distinctly American. Very. That a lot of us go through as children, as teenagers, as young adults that we're coming up through a system. <laughs> you know, what I think I'm so thinking about when I was working with white people, like white folks, and I'd be like, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta, <laughs> I've gotta go right now. I gotta get to the salon. <laughs> Um, so I gotta leave. I gotta leave because if I don't, and then they didn't understand like the whole idea of me spending my whole entire Saturday as a teenager in the salon, never being able to miss beat or beat Miss Brandon. Y'all don't know Miss Brandon, but just know Miss Brandon was going to beat you, <laughs> and she was gonna be first because, because she was gonna get out of there first. She, she was gonna get, yeah, I'm very angry with Miss Brandon because Miss Brandon <laughs> had to get a weave too, but I never could beat her. Like not understanding, like, but I. 
I wouldn't trade any of that time spent in the salon as a teenager for the world. I learned so much um, about women. I learned about being being, being. a black woman. About what yes. black women. About what black women's lives were like. Yeah. And I I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade. I would not trade that experience of the world. And I always say this, but hairstylists have always been the influencers of the community. Um, They always had the dopest fashions. They had the best vehicles. They went on the best vacations. Like, girl, I don't want to work that day. So I'm just going to stay home and chill. Like, who are you? They work two or three days a week. Like, my hairstylist that I got as a teenager, which my dad used to date. (laughs) But that's another story for another podcast another episode but my um that hairstylist my last hairstylist um that I spent the most time with she taught me so much about being a young woman carrying a purse wearing lip gloss mm-hmm. <laughs> like these are things like and you know it's funny because I feel that spirit of caring with me all the time about when I'm here in the salon I'm like okay girl but you need some lipstick and wear your earrings <laughs> like I need you to go if you need to go do that before we take this picture please make that please. happen and guess what if you don't have it on I'm gonna put a little makeup on your face before I post those pictures just a slight, just a slight, just bit. a little beat. So, I'm just it's so important. It is so important to understand, as curl artists, that there is an entire lived experience and cultural experience behind being a black girl with curls. That is the reason why we named our umbrella company Black Girl Curls, because there was no other phrase, nothing that encompassed what it meant to do the work that we do. And so it's not just hair. It is not just about hair. And to be honest, I am the first person to be like, girl, chill out, it's just hair. Because I have had the ability through my life to grow unlimited hair. I've never had a relaxer burn. I've never had a relaxer take my hair out. I've never had a terrible hairstylist that just jacked me all the way up. Now, I will say, I am afraid of Marcel Irons because I had like one person when I was seven burn my ear. I'm that person. So I am privileged in, a, in being a black woman that I have not had this experience, but I understand that women who look like me, who live like me, have had certain experiences and um, things happen to them in the salon from stylists who were black, from stylists who were not black, from their mothers, from their female family members, and all those things come with them to the salon. And it's my job as the salon professional to treat the whole woman. What I do is a practice. And I say woman because my my practice is is 100% female. If you don't work with women, then you have to bring in the culture of black male hair because that's something very different as well. Uh, So understanding that that's a whole person. You're not just giving them a cut. You're not just giving them a color. You are taking everything that they've experienced, everything that they are thinking about their hair and themselves, and you are creating and crafting, co-creating and crafting something with them because that's the first thing people's going to see is their hair. Hair is the accessory we don't take off. No, ma'am. And in African-American culture, hair has always Always. been a very, very important aspect of personhood. It it definitely is. And that's when we say, like, we do this for the culture, we do it for the curls, like, that, all of that, that's exactly what it means. It's all parts of that. It's having to understand those different um, experiences that those women have had over the course of their life. Hearing the stories, like, in nail salons. (laughs) 
hair salons at the Target. Oh, at the Target. On, on the aisle, Lord. On the bus stop. When, <laughs> okay, like hearing all these experiences. I mean, I've heard stories and I'm like, man, I didn't experience that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, to be the person in your family with all the hair, nobody knows how to comb hair. Like Empathy. you don't know what that is like <laughs> to have a mama. I mean, I can identify a lot with the the white kid, or sorry, the mom, the babies with the white mamas, cause white mamas and my mama got a lot in common. They all know how to comb hair. <laughs> mine, mine too, mine too. And and for the fact is, my mom's hair and my hair are the exact same hair. I don't, I don't understand it. Love you, mommy. Uh, but that that was our experiences, and we're not saying. Let, let's make this caveat. We are not saying that you have to have those experiences no, in order to work with tight curls. What we are saying is that there has to be an understanding in place of what that hair means to the person sitting in your chair. And not just in a, an individual perspective, but an overall cultural perspective. Absolutely. I went to a predominantly white high school. And before I even went to that high school, we all were reading magazines, but Seventeen magazine, because it was like you were seventeen, you were a teenager. You, you were read seventeen. You read seventeen. But Seventeen magazine wasn't really for me though. Like it really not didn't. At all. It wasn't. Like <laughs> in, like if let's be honest, Seventeen magazine was not for black girls. But I could go to my predominantly white high school and already already know about the white girls at my school and know what's going on. They didn't have to explain anything to me. What it was bands? A, what bands they like? What their makeup fashions were yeah. happening? So I am a big proponent. Like if you if go you, get an essence. Listen, Ebony Jed. Well, Ebony Jed went out of business. Oh, but go get the old go. ones at the, at the at the library. <laughs> go go look, go read about the beauty of the week. That was a yes, thing. It's yes. like, how can I be? I, I mean, we grew up beauty of we the grew week. up wanting to be beauty of the week. Like, and she I, had she was like 24. She was super cute. And she, she was, was a waitress. I don't know what they did, but <laughs> But those those publications, um, being able to read those publications, put me in a place at an advantage. And so when we would have conversations about hair, now I am now become the uh, person who now answers the question for all the black people about black hair. Like, why do y'all only shampoo once a week? Why y'all do this? Where everybody wear? So I mean, and I didn't mind because they didn't know. They didn't know. And but it was, it's it's exhausting. It is. Let's say let's talk emotional labor and exhaustion. It is exhausting always having to explain the foundation of something. And we uh, oftentimes as tight curl consumers, we want to sit down with someone who at least has a fundamental understanding of the culture we're coming out of. So that my experience could be put in perspective of that culture and we can actually get further rather than me giving you Black Girl 101 yeah. So that I can then give you 102, and then maybe 103 is some of my personal or story. Or we have instances where people are forcing their experience or Woo! what they believe your experience should be, how you should live your lived experience, and that actually ends up not working out. Um, and so we want to be able mm-hmm. to give clients, we don't wear any weaves or wigs, but I still want to be able to tell my clients, listen, here's how this is going to work if you decide to do this. I'm not going to say not to do that. I'm going to say, here's how you do it. Because I get it, girl, because I'm telling you, some days my hair just looks a hot mess because I don't want to do it, and but I don't have to go to a corporate job. <laughs> I understand. I don't have a 
a boss. Listen. I don't have someone in my office who is gunning for me because I am a black woman with an outspoken voice. We had a model in one of our classes. It was like, it was actually heartbreaking to hear that. It was. Um, that she had to wear her hair a very specific way. Pulled just, back in a bun, no texture. Just to be heard. Um, so in, in, in retrospect, where are your people is just like, are you even listening? Do you hear them? Because one of the things, it, this goes back to the entire natural hair community. Nobody's been listening to them. They have, the marketers have. And the giving marketers. Them, giving them stuff they don't need. But <laughs> have people really have a stylist? We didn't listen to them. We just thought that, oh, they're going to come back. We're going to put this relaxer back, smack it back on. Y'all all going to be feathered out. Or they're and, just going to be okay with whatever I give them because there's nobody else trying to serve them. And that is... The time for that is up. The Over. time for that is up for terrible styling. Yeah. The time is up for mullet cuts because you're trying to take the same cut from two-dimensional hair and put it on this three-dimensional hair. Listen, if I cut another mullet. Oh, Jesus. And I have, do y'all know the emotional labor that goes into cutting the mullet, though? Like, <laughs> I have to then explain why this hair is not going to be long back here and why we have to, con like, reconnect the crown and why this is like this, like... Explain. Like, it's a lot of exclamation, I'm sorry, explanation that goes along with having to do that. Please, please, for the love of Jesus, just sign up. Come to a class. We'll show you why the mullet look the is, mullet not is not working. The mullet is not in. But we're, <laughs> we're no longer standing for just being the tokens. We're no longer standing for getting subpar service because curls are curls. We're not... We're no longer going to stand for, oh, do you want representation from somebody who is acting as a gatekeeper, who is not a part, a, of the not part of the community. I call it so, Columbus. So, again, but... we're here. You know what? <laughs> we're here to disrupt that. We're here to change the status quo as it relates to natural hair consumers and professionals who say... They do natural hair. So curls ain't curls, y'all. Curls ain't. Mm -mm. Curls are not curls. Curls are not curls. Mm -hmm. And listen to your people. Nah, you need to listen. <laughs>